Will the Jaguars receivers make each other all overdrafted in 2017? Who will be the Bucks starting running back next season? And which two teams will you be getting double points for in the playoff challenge on Super Bowl weekend? Plus, the champion of the Fantasy Football Players Championship, big payback number one, Ron Gachet, go a co-host tonight to discuss his big $30,000 victory, what separated his first-round draft choice from other options in that league this year, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Ron Gachet is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your special New Year's weekend episode of the Eric Balkman Show edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Live from the WRST radio studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream, it's the Eric Balkman Show. Salutations, all you Balkaholics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host, the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, is off this week, but sitting in for him tonight, and I I don't think he'll be uh, upset if I play this right now. We have an attorney in our midst tonight, ladies and gentlemen. He only recently joined the world of high-stakes fantasy football after playing in friends and family leagues for years. After a friend told him about the FFPC four years ago, he has been playing it ever since. Hopefully, he's buying that friend a beer after he banked more than $30,000 in his FFPC leagues this season, including a runaway victory in the big payback number one league. Please welcome Ron Gachet to the show. Ron, thanks for co-hosting with me tonight, and Happy New Year to you. Same to you, Eric. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's uh, very exciting to have our first big winner on the show uh, this evening. And uh, the fact that I have a Gerzak free show makes my new year even better. So uh, you are already a massive improvement on Dave uh, just by saying hello. So thank you for joining us. And, And tonight, Ron and I are going to talk about what Ravens receiver we expect to step up after the icon. Steve Smith steps aside. After Sunday's game, who our early top five players are in drafts, and Ron is going to compare drafting in the big payback league to drafting in his main event FFPC league this year, plus a ton more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you guys might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFR, at Eric Balkman is where I am. Uh, You can uh, definitely give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Talk to you, uh, me and Ron. Talk a little fantasy football as we look ahead to 2017. You can also email the show at the inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them in. We'll try to get to all of them in our fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. The producer, the man behind the glass, is our mutual friend Rob. And, of course, our audio engineer, as always, is Bryce, working very hard tonight 
as we are a man down. Uh, but Ron is going to fill in excellently for Dave. Ron, it's kind of an interesting time of year because the fantasy season is is over uh, for us. Uh, but but the NFL season is sort of like the most intriguing part of it. The playoffs and the playoff challenge is just getting started. But I think for a lot of us, we're, we're, we've already kind of turned the page and, and wondering a, a little bit about next year already. As and we're watching these games from that perspective from here on out. Yeah, I like to I like to focus a lot on how the season ends for a lot of players. I, I find that uh, guys who are really um, hitting a stride towards games, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, those are the guys I really like to take a look at going into next season. And uh, it's kind of how, how I had my eye on David Johnson as my first pick this year in, in the big money league. And, and everybody was talking receivers and everybody was talking about the zero RB theory and Guys like Johnson, uh, they just really impressed me coming on at the end of last year, and so I had my eye on him all summer, and I think he kind of helped me kind of take my team to victory, i got to say. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of interesting, too. Let's, uh, you know, right away attack that, uh, the analysis on on this big big payback draft uh, with with getting David Johnson uh, in the first round. Was he a guy that you, you know, knowing where you were picking in that draft, sort of in the middle of the first round, was he a guy that you were hoping would fall to you, or was it just more of a matter of, okay, this is, this is the best guy I got right here uh, that's available to me. I'm going to go nab him. Um, you already talked about zero RB. It sounds like that didn't factor a whole lot into your big payback draft. Yeah, no, I, I definitely am a running back guy, and – Although all summer I had heard about, you know, the receivers and zero RB, and and quite frankly, the receivers were the way to go in 2015. Um, I just just really wanted to focus on running backs. Um, I had a good feeling about them, and a guy like Johnson who was coming on, and and even Todd Gurley, although he was a disappointment this year, and I attribute that more to the the quarterback and the line play at the Rams, but... But I definitely was hoping to get a running back at six and someone good, and it really fell right in my lap because the first four picks in my draft were all receivers, and and I was really happy about that. Had, had they gone, you know, Johnson and Bell and and Gurley and and maybe Elliott right before me, I really would have been stuck because I, I did have a plan going in, but it, it did seem to work out for me, and and I think that's important. I think you got to have an idea of where you want to go. You got to focus on it. And I know people say, you know, let the draft come to you, but if you've got a plan going in and you can execute that plan, I mean, look, you're either right or you're wrong at the end of the day because I'm, I'm looking at some guys who took, you know, three receivers first and, and it could have been good for them. I mean, or they, you know, I'm looking at one guy in my league that took Allen Robinson, Brandon Marshall, and Jeremy Macklin, and you would have thought, you know, coming out of the gate, he was looking great. And, and you know, look what happened. And I, I just feel like I happened to get kind of lucky with my first two picks with Johnson and, and that took Sean McCoy coming back on the, on the backside, you know, number six coming back and man, oh man, did I hit it big with those two guys. Yeah. And you weren't the only one uh, who hit it big with those two. I, you know, I was just looking what, you know, I sent out the FFPC newsletter today and, and kind of breaking down the champions of both the main event and the football guys players championship and our main event champions, David Hubbard, and Nelson Sousa, they both ended up with Johnson and LaShawn McCoy, as well as Le'Veon Bell, too, that helped them to victory. And then you look at Mike Kuzma, who, again, was not even anywhere close to the top 40 going into Week 16, and then he puts up a 231, thanks in part to not only Le'Veon Bell, but the two guys you mentioned, David Johnson 
and uh, LaShawn McCoy, and he ends up winning the 250K. By the way, congrats to those guys. Uh, very exciting, and we'll, we'll try to get them on the show uh, in future shows. I want to get back to the big payback, Ron, because this is a, a star-studded draft. I mean, there's a lot of people in this draft who's won, who have won a lot of money playing high-stakes fantasy football over the past few years. Many have been on this show, and, and you actually ran away with it. Patrick Daly was the second-place finisher here in this league. You beat him by more than 120 points in that uh, sprint at the end uh, of the uh, end of the year with that uh, two-week playoff. Um, I, I'm just looking at some of the other names in this league. Jeff Tirabassi, Darren Summer, the main event champs, David Hubbard and, and Nelson Souza, Danny Miller, Jeremy Roach, uh, the guy who won the Football Guys Players Championship last year, Blake Pyle, Chad Schroeder, Brian Owens, so many others uh, that were very, very talented. Not only uh, do I want to know how you beat these guys, but how did you run away with it so handily at the end where week 16 was almost a near formality? Yeah, I was really surprised after week one when I had a 40-point lead and I thought, oh, my God, you know, I, I, am I going to be able to hang on to this? Is this going to be a major collapse? Um, the, the, I don't know who the owner of Wall Street Warrior was. Maybe you can tell me, but he had that was really, a, a really stacked. Yeah, he had quite a good team because his first two picks were Zeke Elliott and Lev Bell. And so he knew kind of what, you know, the same plan that I had. And I felt he was going to be right on my tail. He had Tom Brady. And he had uh, Edelman, uh, Sanders and Edelman and, and Blunt, and I, I just I really was worried about that. And I'll, I'll tell you what, my quarterback play from Aaron Rodgers, and, and quite frankly, people talk about a stack when they do the daily fantasy. Well, I stacked Rodgers with um, Jordy Nelson this year, and, and I got Jordy in the third round of this draft. And those two guys, you know, you talk about my Johnson and, and McCoy, uh, you know, tandem at, at running back. Well, Rodgers and Jordy, and I think that's how I really did it because everybody saw how Aaron was in, in week uh, 16. I mean, I think that obviously took me over the top. And, and to have Jordy paired with him, I really hit on Jordy in the third round because he was coming off injury. A lot of people were hesitant and skeptical about him. But I had, I had a lot of faith in him, and I really remember how he was in 14. And, and I thought, man, if this guy is even you know, 85% of what he was, he could be really good. And I knew Aaron Rodgers was going to have to throw the ball at least a little bit this year. I got lucky with Eddie Lacy actually going down and forcing that team to throw a lot more. So, you know, sometimes it's luck. Um, and then I didn't have a lot of injuries. Um, you know, I didn't have really very many guys that, 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 that hurt me, um, like some of these other players. I did lose Gio Bernard, who I thought was going to be a big PPR asset. But if you ask how I did it in week 16, it was, you know, it was Johnson and McCoy, and it was Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson. You know, let's talk about uh, it's sort of a philosophical uh, thing here in, in regards to fantasy football with the hookup that you had, Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, the stack, as the DFSers call it. I'm, I only bring this up because the Mike Kuzma, who won the FPC this year, did it behind, um, you know, 70-plus points in Week 16 combined between Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin. Obviously, you know that that is not a mutually exclusive thing. I mean, you know, one was helping the other. This is a different type of format that you were in. You only had to beat out 11 other teams. Uh, Mike had to beat out nearly 7,000 other teams. Do you think that when you're in a main event, uh, in an FPC, in a contest where you're trying to beat out hundreds or sometimes thousands of other teams, that a hookup is a good thing to have in your back pocket? A Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, an Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, a Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, guys that can explode when the time is right. Even Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, you could make the case for as well, or maybe Drew Brees, Brandon Cooks. I mean, there's, there's several of them out there. Do you think that that's something that high-stakes owners should actually try to look at, and if they're able to, See if they can get that on their team in drafts to see if that they, you know, they have that explosive 
talent uh, in the in the three week sprint. Yeah, I think so. You know, I've been, as you said in the intro, I've been playing high stakes now for about four years, and um, honestly, this is the first time I've I've cashed big like this. Um, I did have uh, I, I did play in a in a tournament once where I I did hit with among I think it was like sixty or seventy people in a in a daily tournament, but I've never cashed in a, in a big season long league. And, and all the drafts that I've been at in the high stakes leagues, um, I, I don't really, in the season long stuff, I don't really see in the main event, uh, I don't see them stacking too much. And I see it in DFS and I'm not a DFS player, but you know, I do, I do study that and I do listen to um, some of the experts on the, on the uh, topic. And, you know they talk about it, and if you can hit it, I mean, obviously it can really put you at a at a at a big advantage if you can hit a stack. Now you take a big risk, and I guess that's why these main event players, you know, they don't want to mess around sometimes and take a chance that, you know, a stack like that could hurt them. But if you can if you can hit on it, like I did with Aaron and Jordy, and again, the quarterbacks these days aren't getting hurt that much, so it's not like if if you get a good quarterback, it's not like you're going to typically lose them early in the season. I know, you know, we had David Carr and, and Mariota go down in week 16, but I kind of think that was a fluke. Um, so if your quarterback can stay upright and he's a good quarterback, if you can get the right receiver on that team, uh, you, you should be able, you should be able to make something of it. And uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a strategy, it's a risk, but it can pay off as it did for me. Getting back to Jordy Nelson, this is a guy that a lot of people had some qualms about drafting because of the knee issue and the fact that he missed the entire preseason, was really coming in cold uh, to the uh, start of the regular season. Not a lot of people wanted to bank a second or even a third round pick uh, into Nelson this year. He's done nothing but uh, you know exceed expectations. 91 catches, 1,191 yards, 14 touchdowns. And for what it's worth, I mean, four plays over 40-plus yards as well, so the explosion is still there. When you look at 2017, Ron, is Jordy Nelson back in the first-round conversation given the fact that he's been able to maybe not recapture his elite athleticism that he had in his mid to late 20s, but at least reinvent himself a little bit where he is stable, uh, still able to get open. He is sta- still able to get res- um, separation from those corners, and he still has Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. Where do you think Nelson ends up when we hit the main event next year? Is he a back-end first-round pick, or is that still a little too high? Yeah, with some of the names that are still out there, you know, I don't think people are going to take him over, you know, the Julios and A.J. Greens of the world, even Mike Evans and Odell, Antonio Brown, with all those receivers. I don't see how he slips, you know, I don't see how he, how he gets taken in the first round, but he's going to get second-round consideration for sure next year, and a lot of guys are going to chase some touchdowns, obviously, but I don't see why he can't do it again. If you, if you watch, a lot, of the, a lot of what Rodgers does is improvise. And what Jordy seems to be really good at is finding a way to make a broken play into a big play and making a broken play near the end zone into a touchdown. I, I watched that a lot this year. And it's not, like, it's not like they have a lot of design plan plays that end up you know, going for big yardage for him. Rodgers makes a lot of that happen. So a, a lot of it is your quarterback. Some of them sit in the pocket and they just, you know, they pad like a Brady, just kind of fires down the field. But you've got to be in the pattern and, and, and you've got to be a guy that's targeted coming out of the huddle. Um, Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers make things happen, and, and I really like that. And I, and I was really, I was really, um, I was really keen on that when I was trying to make my my draft selections this year. 
Ron Gachet, the big payback number one, $30,000 champion from 2016 in the FFPC. is our co-host tonight here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We're talking about Jordy Nelson. Let's talk about a couple of the players that he'll be taking on on Sunday in Week 17 against the Detroit Lions. You had the choice of either Lions receiver at the 407 pick in this big payback draft. You went with Golden Tate, and it's, it seems obvious now that Tate was clearly the better selection there given how these guys have uh, ended up this season. But what was it uh, about Tate, or maybe what was it about Marvin Jones, that made you want to take Tate instead of Marvin Jones at that spot there? Well, I guess it was two things. Marvin Jones, you know, he was a second receiver uh, in Cincinnati the year before, and he, you know, he was he was the second guy for a reason, and I just wasn't sold on him yet. Whereas Tate, you know, he really proved himself in that Matt Stafford offense, Uh Tate is a volume guy. This is a PPR league. Um, I was just looking for a guy who had a good floor, and I and I got to tell you, I was I, I like everybody else got really worried those first four or five games. I don't know how he disappeared, or I don't know maybe maybe the Detroit Lions thought they'd just catch people off guard with Marvin Jones for a while. But you're right, I, I stuck with it, and and Tate is the guy that that I was targeting at that spot because if you look where I was drafting. Um, I mean, I could have grabbed Baldwin there, and, and I thought Baldwin and Tate would be kind of interchangeable. I did, I did think Baldwin was going to regress a little bit. He did end up surprising us. Um, but there wasn't much in the receiver core left for me um, at that point. I mean, there was the Larry Fitzgeralds of the world and Jordan Matthews. But, but Tate was a guy I thought I could count on for a good floor and you know, get six, seven, eight targets a game and see what I could do out of it. I knew I already had Jordy. I knew I had McCoy and Johnson at that point. And uh, I thought Tate was a safe pick right there. One of the things that Dave and I have always talked about on the show is it's very difficult to be successful when you take both a quarterback and a tight end early. And I think like when we talk about early, I think how you did it in this draft is is borderline between early and and sort of like mid rounds because by the end of the sixth round, you had uh, both Aaron Rodgers, who he took in the fifth, and then Gary Barnage was your tight end selection in the sixth. The fact that you already had, um, you know, a, a couple of running back, a couple of receivers on your team at that point, were you comfortable enough with those four players as the foundation of your team to forego some early depth there? Or did, was it just the value dictating you saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers should not be here at this point. I'm grabbing him. Hey, Gary Barnett should not be available at this point in the draft. I'm taking him right here. What was it about the Rodgers and Barnett selections? Um, what was the process there? All right, well, I'll talk about the tight end first. The Barnage selection was was really one more out of concern because before that pick, this league at a point and a half per reception for tight ends had already grabbed up Gronkowski, Olsen, Reed, Fleener, Walker, and Julius Thomas. So I was concerned about getting shut out of a quality tight end, and I normally didn't want to take a tight end right there, but I but I did have some some hope for Barnage. He had such a great year in, in 2015. I thought if he could repeat even half of that, I'd be in good shape. But, you know, I, I was, you know, I'd be left with guys like Martellus Bennett, who, again, Gronkowski was playing at that time. You know, Kyle Rudolph turned out to be a good pick, who I actually had in the, in the main event. He worked out great for me. But there weren't too many guys left that I really was interested in. The only other tight end that I had my eye on the whole time and I grabbed him up in both leagues, was Hunter Henry, um, and I got him with the last pick of this draft um, in the sixth round. 
and I grabbed him in the main event as well for two reasons. One, I, I knew from him out of college, um, I believe he was an SEC guy. I'm, I'm a big Florida guy. <clears throat> and um, I, I had seen Hunter Henry play. I knew how good he was. And on top of that, I thought maybe Gates was going to go down at some point this year, and I thought if I could have the San Diego tight end, um, you know, that's going to be a real home run for me, especially where I grabbed him and nobody took him all the way through 20 rounds. And so I had Hunter Henry um, pegged, but, you know, I wasn't going to bank on him being able to be my starter because Gates was still there. So I grabbed Barnage out of more of them out of, you know, concern that I wasn't going to get anybody. As far as grabbing Aaron Rodgers there, you know, I, I was trying, I was going to wait one more round. Um, I already had Gio Bernard. I had LaShawn McCoy and Johnson. So those three running backs were solid. And I thought Bernard was going to have a, a real breakout season too. Um, I had Nelson and Tate. Somebody had already picked Cam. And it was, it was going to be, um, it was going to be a quarterback for me because I know guys say to wait, and I know there are some quarterbacks, you know, you hit like on a Bortles from 2015 and you can really, you know, run away with something if you've got quality above him. But I just, I just like the thought of having an Aaron Rodgers every week, I got to tell you. And, um, it was sitting there and it's one of those, you know, you got one minute on the clock and it's, it's Aaron Rodgers or what else do you like on the board? And I just grabbed up Aaron Rodgers. We have to uh, get to a quick break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk about two young receivers on the same team on an offense that actually ended up being pretty surprisingly good this year uh, with Ron Gachet, the 2016 FFPC Big Payback number 1 champion. This is Eric Balkman on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Week 17 rolls on here as, uh, well, technically I guess it has not started yet because there was no Thursday night game this week, but we're still here. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Eric Balkman. My co-host tonight is Ron Gachet. He of the FFPC 2016 Big Payback number 1 championship fame. $30,000 was the payday there. And, Ron, as we look uh, through that draft and how you built this team, eight picks after Tajay Sharp went, you ended up taking his teammate in real life, Richard Matthews. Did you actually like Matthews more than Sharp? Or would the rookie have been your pick there had he been available? Because Sharp, remember, was getting a lot of that preseason hype, despite him being a rookie from you know sort of a, a small school. We didn't know how his skills would translate to the pros, but uh, Tennessee continued to put him running with the starters, um, you know, in, in preseason. And uh, Richard Matthews wasn't necessarily a forgotten man, but he certainly was not being as hyped up as Sharp was. How did you fall in between the Sharp and Matthews discussion? Would Matthews have still been the guy had Sharp been available there? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not a big rookie wide receiver guy, and I, I just I just never have been in the NFL. It's uh, it's tough going for those rookie receivers, and I think they need time to um, you know to really get involved in their systems. You look at the Laquan Treadwells this year, and some of the other rookies that just did not pan out. I had Matthews pegged as the number one on that team all along, and I always want the number one over the number two. I know there was a lot of hype. But um, being a, a South Florida guy, um, I think I remember Matthews from the Dolphins days. The guy was a good receiver. And um, so I had him pegged as the number one on that team. And when it came time for my pick there, um, there weren't a lot of number one receivers that were left. Um, if you took a look, um, there was, you know, there was guys like Will Fuller, number, a number two. There was Tyler Boyd, a number two. Michael Thomas was a number two, Eli Rogers. Those guys, you know, they, they were all guys that, 
you know, I thought were going to be good players, but they weren't going to be the number one guy on their team. I just had Matthews pegged in as the number one on that team, and, and that's the guy I wanted. Ron Yashay, our guest tonight here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, sitting in for Dave Gerzak. Let's talk uh, about the, another team in that same division, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars, as uh, they were actually, their passing game was uh, heavily un, um, disappointed, underperformed, except for Marquise Lee. He really came on strong in the second half of the NFL season. He was a guy you owned in this league as well. How do you view his role uh, in 2017 among Allen Robinson and, and a healthy Allen Hearns who finished the year, I believe, on IR. I know, I know he's hurt right now. Uh, as we look forward to 2017 with a new coach in charge in Jacksonville, how do all three of these guys have their fantasy value sort out? Uh, well, I, I kind of feel like Lee is an up-and-comer. He, uh, he was a real stud at Florida State. And I think that um, I think he's going to supplant uh, Alan Hearns next year as the as the second guy to Robinson. And while we're talking about the Jacksonville receivers, I, I'm bullish on Robinson next year. I know things were terrible this year for all their Robinson owners out there, but this guy's a, a real talent. And um, I, I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be there, but I think Robin I think Robinson's a really good player, and uh, I still think he's going to command most of the targets next year. And you might be able to get Lee at a good value because he'll be that guy when, when, when everybody's covering Robinson. I think Lee is, is going to be uh, a quality receiver. He's also a really good kick returner. You saw, I think, a 100-yard return. I don't know, it was week 15 or 16, but he was, he was something else. And he, he, he's a quality guy. I, I like him. I'm, I'm concerned about Bortles regressing. And, and Bortles was so good in 15, but I think they were behind by so much in so many games that he was just chucking it all over the field. I think their defense played a little better this year, and, and so, you know, he didn't he didn't get to play catch up as much as he did. But I, I'm real I'm real bullish on Robinson. I, I would grab Robinson next year if if he fell to me in the right spot. Yeah, you know, with Jacksonville, I always again I've, I've said this on the show so many times. Nobody is ever as good as they look, and nobody is ever as bad as they look. So clearly, Bortles in 2015 was not that good, and in 2016, I don't believe he really is that bad. I mean, we heard reports that. He was not in the weight room. He was not in the film room. He, he wasn't, didn't have his nose in the playbook this past offseason like he did the season before. And my concern as we look forward to 2017 is I believe that Bortles does bounce back. I think that he will be underdrafted next year, and, and he is going to be the type of guy, and we'll get into him a little bit later on in the show, but I think he'll be the, the type of guy that has a season sort of in between of what he did in 15 and 16. The concern is I, I think that Robinson will drop based on what he did. Obviously, Lee is going to be drafted higher given his second half, and Alan Hearns is going to fit in there somewhere, especially if he is you know, running ahead of Marquise Lee in the preseason. My concern, Ron, and, and you can tell me if this is unfounded, I'm, I'm a little worried that, um, they, that, that Robinson just does not get the target share that he did in, in 15, that Lee ends up becoming a better player, taking another step forward. I believe he was actually drafted ahead of Robinson. I think they're both two uh, second-round picks when they came into the league by Jacksonville, and Lee just could not stay healthy. Well, now he's healthy. Now he's on the field. Now he's performing. I don't know how Hearns fits into this as well, but sometimes I think when you have three guys that all have positive vibes and good things going for them, sometimes you could actually miss out. Um, or you could miss on one of those guys in the draft if the other two guys end up crushing it. So that's my concern. I think Robinson, I, I think you're right. I think he's going to be okay because he's still the number one guy there, and he's going to slip in drafts. But with the other two guys, I'm just not sure. I guess we'll have to see how it shakes out when 
when we see these drafts going off to see where Hearns and Lee are getting uh, picked. But I'm, I'm still concerned at where they're going to be drafted next year. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of recency bias. The last thing you saw was um, Marquise Lee playing really well. Um, and, and so, yeah, he might get overdrafted a little bit. Um, but I'm counting on Robinson falling. And, and it is true when there's three guys that are all quality receivers, it's going to be tough to, to make a living on any one of them. Um, but if you can complement, like if Robinson becomes your second receiver, I think you're in really good shape. And, and Lee, again, you'll have to see where you can get him. Um, if he's going in the second round, third round, um, you know, I just won't be interested at that price. Um, but if, you know, if I can get Lee in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, I'm, I'm all for it. I think he's, I think he can really help your team, but he, I don't, I just don't see that he's going to be, um, a guy who can take you by himself to a championship. I just don't think he's going to be there just because you say the target share won't be, he won't, you know, he won't be able to command the AJ green and the Odell Beckham type numbers. He's just, just not going to be available for him, but he's a great piece. Um, like the way I picked up golden Tate this year, he could be that kind of guy that could get you to a championship along with a number one receiver. Yeah, I definitely think the two compelling things to look at with Jacksonville is one, who do they hire as a head coach and who, you know, who's the offensive coordinator, what type of system are they going to be running there? If it's a, it's a, if it's a offense that uses a lot of three receiver sets, well then maybe you can get away with Lee and, and Hearns at the right spots. Um, but if it's a, a team that, uh, or if it's a coordinator that likes running two wide receiver sets, then the next compelling thing to look for is, okay, who's running as the number two? Is it Lee or is it Hearns? Because that right. guy is going to be drafted clearly higher uh, than the other and, one. And, and, also what's gonna, the, and also what's going to happen with their running game, too. You've got to have a, some kind of running threat, unless you're an Aaron Rodgers, you know, who can just throw it 50 times. You've got to have a running threat. And I wasn't impressed with Ivory. I wasn't impressed with Yeldon. And, so, you know, I don't know what they're going to do about the running back, but that's, that's got to get fixed, too. Yeah, totally. And that, and that, and also that fits in with the, the coordinator thing too, because I mean, if they hire somebody that loves to run the football, then you got to believe that they're going to probably be bringing in a talented running back to do so, because I don't think Ivory and Yeldon have the chops to, uh, to do that at this point in their careers. Um, right. Ron, you were the number one seed in your, in the regular season, in your uh, main event league this past year as well. When you look at drafting that team and compared with uh, drafting the, the big payback team, were the challenges and obstacles that you faced drafting the Bay Payback that much tougher than the main event? Or do you think that these were more similar as far as how difficult it was to, to put together a very good team? Well, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a strange day for me because I went live to Vegas to, to draft both teams, and I was picking sixth in both drafts, and I did one at 9 in the morning and one at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So – they were kind of close as a mirror image of each other. Although the $5,000 payback uh, draft, the guys at that table were, you know, not that the main event guys weren't sharp, but these guys, they were, you know, they were on their game. And, and I was, I felt obviously a little intimidated because that's not a, this is not a, a league that I'm normally up at a main event. Yeah, that's fine. But this was a foray into the $5,000 payback. Uh, those guys were, those guys were, were definitely, um, you know, they brought all their A game, but what happened again is, you know, as it is for this whole 2016 season, these guys, just like the main event guys I drafted against, everybody went receiver early and sitting there at number six in the main event, 
I was able – now, I did get Gurley as my first pick in the main event, and I could have had Zeke. I keep thinking about that all year and how I could have even maybe finished better in the main event. But the fact is is that I grabbed the running back that was there for me that I wanted. I had you know only three kind of in my, in my sights. But I got Lev Bell coming back in the second round in that main event at the, at the you know, second round sixth spot. And I was off to the races. And even though he had the three-game suspension, I was able to get D'Angelo Williams later and filled in admirably. So I had the running back theory. I had it for both drafts. It was almost mirror images of each other. Um, and so I was pretty happy with the way I left, uh, left that day in Las Vegas. Yeah, I think we saw in 2016, really, it, it was the rise of the receiver and 2017 could be the return of the running back or the bounce back of the running back. Because I think that so many people, myself included, that did zero RB uh, or at least, you know, drafting wide receiver heavy teams in the majority of my drafts, it, it sucked trying to find those running backs throughout the season. And it was a challenge. And honestly, uh, the best team I had, um, I think uh, my starters for the majority of the year, again, I did wait a little bit, but the best team I had, my starters were Latavius Murray and Frank Gore. And even then, I mean, that, I mean, Gore was at least consistent, but Murray wasn't. It's tough finding those running backs uh, on a week-to-week basis. Uh, but I, I think uh, as you exhibited with these, uh, with your leagues this year, as David Hubbard, Nelson Sousa, and Mike Kuzma exhibited, if you hit those right running backs early on and, and you end up uh, drafting a running back heavy team, hey, you know, that's really what you need. I mean, it's, it's regardless of position, it's just getting the right players and, and getting the players that are going to stay healthy. And if you can do that, uh, and if you can prognosticate and, and get those right, you can definitely go deep into the uh, playoffs and the postseason and win a lot of money like Ron Gachet. Ron, we actually got a couple of uh, emails here that I wanted to read to you. Uh, some questions that were addressed to you. Uh, the first one is okay. from Joe in, in Syracuse. Yeah. Joe in Syracuse, New York. He writes, Hi, Ron. What do you think the Finns do in 2017 with Ajayi? Are they going to bring in a vet like they did with Foster this season or maybe take a rookie in the draft? Or do you think they stand pat with Ajayi, Damian Williams, and Kenyon Drake? Thank you for the email, Joe in Syracuse, New York. This is an interesting Miami situation at running back uh, here, Ron, because you look at the team and it really caught fire at the point of the season where Adam Gase really put the focus on the running game. You know, you have all those maulers on the offensive line, all those talented offensive linemen, and uh, Jay Ajayi ends up churning out three 200-plus uh, yard games this year. Didn't catch a ton of passes, but what do you think Miami does? Do they address that position with the difference maker early on in the draft, uh, or do you think that Miami is more likely to, you know, maybe work on their defense a little bit more and really ride Ajayi with Williams and Drake mixing in from time to time in 2017. How do you see that situation or project that situation from working itself out? Well, I'm, I'm an Ajayi fan, and if you look at my big payback team, I actually was able to grab him up in, in, uh, with, with some fab money after somebody cut him early in the season. And I, and I being a South Florida guy and, a, and, a, and you know, kind of seeing the Dolphins more than, than maybe your average fantasy player I had my eye on him and when he became available I scooped him up so when I when I won that tournament in week 15 and 16 I was starting you know LaShawn McCoy David Johnson and Jay Ajayi I mean you can't do a lot better than that Um, I I don't see what's wrong with him I mean he looks like a good hard runner and you know not every running back has to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield for fantasy purposes you know I want guys who catch the ball for sure and I focus on them a lot but Ajayi looks like he could 
you know, he could carry the load. He looks like a strong guy, and you mix in Williams, and if Drake can become, you know, like that third down back, if he can, if he can develop, I don't see why they would have to go anywhere else. I think he makes Devontae Parker better. Um, you know, they got Kenny Stills, who nobody really was thinking about picking up, and he's a burner. And, and then you got um, Jarvis Landry's, you know, still there. So I think Gaze is smart enough to be able to use all of the weapons that he has, and I think Ajayi will be just fine. And, and if I'm the Dolphins, I definitely focus somewhere else. You know, I definitely look at the defensive secondary. You know, the pass rush was good this year, but um, maybe the linebacking core. Um, but I, I think they'll go defense uh, next year. And I think I think Ajayi will be a guy that fantasy players sh- should be looking at. Um, if you're trying to grab up early running backs and you're looking for your number two, you know, your number three, if you can grab them that late, I, I, I'm all for it. You know, I, I always – I think I've said this before on the show. If I was a – coach in the NFL and if I was like a an offensive guru or if I was hired for my offensive play calling and and development chops then you know if I become a head coach I would just tell the GM I said look I got the offense don't worry about giving me weapons here I got a big enough ego I'm smart enough to, to churn enough out of these guys Get me the defenders. Get me the stuff I don't know. Get me those big-time talents and, and uh, you know, have that side of the ball stocked with talent because I can take the offense and vice versa. You know, if I was a defensive guy, I would say the same thing. Give me the weapons on offense because I'll take care of the defense. And I think Adam Gase is a little bit of that mindset where he not only does he have the weapons on offense, he's a smart guy when it comes to the offense as well. So I think that defense is the way they look. I, I, I'm with you. I think Ajayi is probably going to be the guy, their lead guy in 2017. Another email here, Ron. Uh, this is John in Chicago, Illinois. Which Saints receiver are you going to draft first next year, Brandon Cooks or Michael Thomas? Before you answer, let me remind you that Cooks averaged 16.09 per, points per game this season while Thomas averaged 16.29 points per game. Congrats on big payback. That's John in Chicago, Illinois. I actually, thank you for the email, John. I actually checked this, and those numbers are accurate. Uh, Cooks did average just over 16 points a game. Obviously, Michael Thomas just over 16 points a game. 0.2 points per game more than Cooks if you, um, you know, average that out to you know for uh for a season obviously it, we're talking about a, the matter of a few points here so these guys basically were very very similar in their production and their output uh as a whole on the season so which guy if you were going to take a saints receiver next year ron uh which guy would you be looking at first cooks or michael thomas i'm gonna if it if the if the uh if the um if it presents itself to me, I'm going to take the second guy, meaning I'm not going to take the first one with the earlier pick because I'm okay with either one. I watched them both, and in fact, I did play in one friends and family league and, and won that league this year too. Again, I drafted Johnson and Lev Bell in that league. Same thing, and I, I, I was really happy, but I had Brandon Cooks in that league, and um, I'm, I know Brandon Cooks helped me get that championship as well because I also had Randall Cobb that – you know, that didn't work out for me in that league as well. So uh, I'm good with either one, though. I watched them both, and so why wouldn't you take the one where you can get better value? So if I'm in a draft and, and, and Cooks goes, I'll, I'll grab Thomas. If Thomas goes, I'll grab Cooks. But um, I think Thomas is going to be a rising star. Um, I don't know how much more Brook. I don't know, you know, look, a lot of it is Drew Brees and how much more he's got because um, he makes that offense go. But – um, I'm going to take the second guy. I'm going to take the one I can get a little more value on. 
Let's uh, talk about uh, next year as far as, uh, you know, this is really the first time I'm asking this question all off season, which I'm going to ask it every single week on this show. But, uh, Ron, give us a player, uh, and I know it's difficult because the NFL regular season is still actually going on, but give us a player as, as you sort of look at how the season, fantasy season ended up this year, a player that might be a little bit overdrafted next year, that might get a little bit too much hype behind him uh, based on how he finished this season, and then also another guy that you think might fly under the radar when the main event drafts hit, when the Football Guys Players Championship drafts hit, a guy that not a lot of people will be talking about or be too excited to draft but could outperform his draft stock. So it's not based on what I saw at the end of the year. It's just based on the hype that I just think was – I don't know that it's totally deserved yet, but a guy that I think is going to be way overdrafted right out of the gate is C.J. Proceis. Um, He was on the scene. He had a monster, one monster game. And all I hear about from, you know, some of the quote-unquote experts is they can't wait to get their hands on that guy next year. And I just don't know yet. I don't think he's done enough. I haven't seen enough from the guy. And I'm going to let somebody else take him next year because I feel like um, he's going to go real early, real high. And so it's, just a, it's still hype for me. So that's a guy that, that probably is going to go too soon for, for my taste. Um, and a guy that's probably not going to go high enough, in my opinion, probably a guy like C.J. Anderson. I think C.J. Anderson is a quality back. I don't really like what they've got in Denver. I think they need a running game um, in that offense. I think when he was in there, he was producing. It's a shame he got hurt. Um, but think about it. Have you even thought about C.J. Anderson in the last six or eight weeks? You know, Nobody's even talking about the guy. But I think he's, I think he's a, a quality back, and I think I, a guy I could probably scoop up you know, much later than I really should be able to next year. Yeah, and, and and just to touch on Anderson, this is a guy that I was really stumping for in the preseason uh, last year. The fact that he was going in the fourth and sometimes fifth round of drafts, I just I felt like that was just way too low for him. And, you know, the first week he, he came out and crushed it. First couple of weeks he came out and crushed it and looked really, really good. Uh, and then, you know, he kind of slowed down and, and he had his fair share of underwhelming games. And then, you know, he did get hurt. But, I mean, he was producing at that point. And I think the fact that he went on IR so early this season is going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And I think that he will slip again further than he should. And I think that uh, he's a guy that I'll be targeting in in drafts next year. And as far as the precise thing goes, remember that if we see Seattle in the playoffs get bounced early or if we see them really move on because of Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham, those types of guys – Thomas Rawls is going to get a little bit devalued and people are going to be very excited for the fact that CJ Procise didn't really do much on the field this year. And we're going to be drafting about what he could be instead of maybe actually what he is. So if Rawls doesn't have right. a big postseason, I'm with you. I think Procise is a guy that could go too early too. Despite his pass catching acumen, I think that he's a guy that you need to be a little bit wary of as of right now. Uh, if you're drafting for next season, he's a guy that, um, might go a little bit too high. Ron, we have to get to another uh, quick break here, but when we come back, we'll get into some news around the NFL, what's happening for Week 17, how it affects fantasy going forward, not only with the playoff challenge, but in 2017 drafts as well. We'll be kicking those things off at the FFPC right after the Super Bowl. So it's never too early to look ahead. We will be talking much more with Ron Gachet, the FFPC Big Payback number one, $30,000 champion, here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with Eric Balkman on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on here year-round. We will do this show year-round, ladies and gentlemen. I, I got a few uh, questions this week if, if we actually go away um, you know, during, during the offseason. We don't. We do uh, a show every single week. You can hear us on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You can also listen to us right here on Blog Talk Radio as well. We will be doing uh, an hour and a half every single week here and we'll get into a lot of dynasty stuff so i'm trying to stay away from dynasty stuff too much because we will be centering on it so much in february march and april uh right now we are joined by ron gachet the ffpc big payback number one thirty thousand dollar champion co-hosting tonight very excited to have him on i also want to remind everybody in regards to not only this show but check out the high stakes lowdown on rotoviz.com that is also hosted by me we had brian pakula on this week, and Brian had uh, a very fascinating story this year. Started off his main event team three and six. It was basically left for dead in 11th place after week nine, and then it just never lost again. Came back, snuck into the four seed uh, in the playoffs uh, by 1.1 points, ended up winning his main event league, and finished in seventh place overall. It's uh, really a testament with what he was able to do with that team and what anybody can do with these high stakes teams, never leave them for dead. There's always a chance. And now here we are, uh, it's celebrating, uh, or here he is, uh, celebrating an $11,000 payday for a team that really had no shot after week nine, really compelling story. So check that out at rotoviz.com slash podcast. And we will have the season finale coming up next week with Joe Pike, who finished in fourth place in the football guys players championship. Uh, we will take some time off on that show. We'll come back around the super bowl. So check that out. Right now, rotoviz.com slash podcast. I want to thank Roto World, Roto Pass, and, of course, Rob for tonight's rundown. Let's kick things off here. The Tampa Bay Times' Greg Allman reports that Doug Martin has actually left the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to enter a treatment facility in response to a violation of the league's drug policy. He will begin serving his four-game suspension this week. It will carry over to the first three games of the 2017 season. Uh, unless Tampa, I, I believe it's a 62,500 to one shot of them making the playoffs. So I don't see that happening. It probably will be the first three games of the season that he's suspended next year. Uh, Doug Martin, obviously not going to be a very sought after running back in drafts next year. But you look at what Tampa is going to do for their team next year. It's a pretty talented offense. Cameron Brait really stepped up this year. Mike Evans was a target monster. Jameis Winston uh, the fact that he has no fear trying to fit the ball in anywhere, you obviously like that as a fantasy owner. I don't know if I, I like it much as a as a Bucks fan. Not that I am a Bucks fan, but I don't know how much Bucks fans like it. Uh, but Winston obviously leading a pretty high-powered offense in a good division to lead one next season. What do you think, Ron, is Tampa going to do with that running game? Is Jacquez Rogers really going to be the guy next year? Is Does Charles Sims leapfrog uh, Rodgers and he becomes the guy? What are they going to be doing uh, in Tampa? Is it somebody on the roster, a free agent, or a rookie that will be the running back to own in Tampa? Well, I, I was real high on Charles Sims coming into this year. Um, I, I just I thought Martin had a propensity for getting hurt, and I thought Sims was more of a complete back. He catches the ball, and he is a good runner, and it just didn't materialize this year. Um, I don't know about Rodgers. I mean, he did, have, he did have some games with some real good stats, but I think he got a ton of volume, and I don't know if you know, they're going to have the luxury of being able to give him that kind of volume next year if he is the guy. I personally would rather have Sims, especially in a PPR league. If he's at full strength, um, I think that guy, I think that guy can, 
can be a guy who can produce for your team as a third RB. Um, and so, you know, he's a guy that I'll probably be looking at. But as far as Doug Martin is concerned, you know, he's been kind of an enigma. I mean, he had the one great year that I, that I do remember, but I don't really – I'm just not really kind of sold on him as, you know, a total feature back. Uh, maybe I'm not a big, you know, Bucks fan as I as I should be since I live in South Florida. I don't I don't really have a Tampa connection, but um, I just kind of think Sims is more of an all-around guy, and and Rogers has been more of a kind of a journeyman a little bit, and so he's just not the guy that I I think is going to be able to do a 16-game stint. Yeah, I don't really understand the the fascination with Rogers with that coaching staff right now. I mean, perhaps it's because Sims is is on IR and they they really have a lack of of faith in Peyton Barber being the guy. Uh, but Rogers is a veteran, uh, clearly capable of carrying the load at least in short stints. I don't think he is the answer. I think that they go outside the uh, organization probably uh, through the draft to find a guy that can pair with Sims next year. Uh, we were talking about Blake Bortles earlier, Ron, and and. There's only three quarterbacks in the last two years, if you combine 2015 and 2016. It's only three quarterbacks with more than uh, 25-point games than Blake Bortles, and those are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees, clearly the creme de la creme of quarterbacks uh, with those three. So you look at Bortles for next year. I made the case earlier. I think that he ends up somewhere between 2015 and 2016 production. I don't believe uh, he is as bad as he was this year. I know his mechanics were really – some of those primetime games I watched with him, I, I just I couldn't believe he was an NFL quarterback. His mechanics were so terrible. But you look at uh, 2017, I think he ends up having a season somewhere in between those uh, two seasons, and I think he's the type of guy who gets drafted in uh, 2017 similarly to how he was drafted in 2015 with all those you know, sort of QB 14 through 22 uh, area where they just those backups just fly off the board. I think that's similar to where he goes again next year. And I think his production isn't – I think it's closer to 2015 than, than 2016, but certainly uh, in the middle. Feel free to disagree with me on that, but where do you see Bortles uh, as his fantasy production goes next season? Yeah, I like Bortles. As I said, I'm bullish on Allen Robinson, and I don't think you can be bullish on a, on a receiver if you don't really like his quarterback. Um, I, so I am a guy that um, – We'll definitely take a look at uh, Bortles next year um, as a second QB. Um, I'll still want a guy, and it and it's a shame a guy like David Carr broke his leg because he was a real up and comer. I, I was curious about whether or not you know he'll be able to recover in time for for next year. But um, you know, there's some good quarterbacks out there that can that can really carry your team, and you don't have to take Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I know I got Rodgers in in the big payback, but it was you know fifth round. Um, but you don't have to jump on a quarterback early. There are guys that can do it for you, and Bortles could be one of those guys. I just don't know if he's going to be good enough to carry your team to a championship, um, but I do believe he's going to be better than where he's going to be drafted, and I agree with you that he's got three really good receivers. If they can get a running game of any kind, maybe a pass-catching back that can help him with some shorter stuff because a lot of that, think about how LaShawn McCoy, you know, helped Tyrod Taylor. Think about how um, David Johnson helped um, uh, Carson Palmer this year. Those, those shorts, those short swing passes that go for yards. I mean, they make the quarterback look a lot better um, when you got a good running back that can catch the ball too. So if they can give him a little bit of help, um, Bortles will definitely better be better than a QB 14, 15, 16 for sure. 
Sad news for uh, Dave Gerzak and anybody who is uh, a big fan of Steve Smith. He announced this week that he is actually going to retire at the end of the regular season, this according to SportsCenter. Steve Smith, if you remember, 15 years ago was a third-round pick out of Utah to the Carolina Panthers. Since then, he has amassed more than 1,000 receptions, more than 14,000 receiving yards. And, uh, you know, as we sadly turn the page on Steve Smith, we have to look at who the targets are going to go to in Baltimore next year. Is 2017 finally the year that Brashad Perriman becomes a thing in fantasy football? Or uh, does Mike Wallace see a spike in his production? He sort of had a resurgent year, at least in the first half of the year, he looked very good uh, with Baltimore. Or is it somebody else? How do you look at uh, specifically Perriman and uh, and Wallace for the Ravens next year? Uh, Do either of those guys get you excited, Ron? Yeah, Wallace doesn't, unfortunately. I, uh, I, I'm not. I've just never been a big fan. You know, he made a stop in Miami as well, and um, he's a he's a big play guy, and um, he get he'll get over the top at times. And if you can draft him late, like people were drafting him this year, he can fill in as that you know second flex that the FFPC lets you throw in there. Um, but for me, I think it's going to be somebody else, somebody we don't even know who it is right now. Um, Perriman's going to be a nice player, um, but I'm not sure if he's still going to be ready yet from what I saw this year. And, and you're talking about Joe Flacco. I mean, Joe Flacco's, you know, he's not a volume passer, although he did, I guess he did throw a lot of balls this year, but it just doesn't, I just don't think of him as a guy that's a, a big aerial attack. You think of the Ravens and you try to think of a running game. Um, I, but I think they're going to go find somebody to replace Smith. I don't know if it'll be a free agent. I don't know that they'll go. I don't think they'll do another rookie, but maybe a free agent of some sort. And um, I just think there'll be ball spread around. But again, I think it'd be more like a Jacksonville situation where you're going to have three guys once they pick up a third guy. And I think it's just going to. I think it's just going to be spread around on that team. I don't know if there's going to be a true number one that's that's going to dominate the the targets. Yeah, I think you're right with the free agent. I mean, you look at what they've done on offense in the past, Ozzie Newsom has never been afraid to add sort of a, a guy that's left for dead or a guy that um, nobody else wants. I mean, Steve Smith, not a lot of people were in on him when uh, Carolina uh-huh. let him go and he picked him up. Mike Wallace is another guy that uh, Ozzie Newsom signed when uh, a lot of people thought his best football was behind him. And that still may be the case, but Wallace still showed that he was a contributor. And obviously we know the Justin Forsett story from a couple of years ago where he came out of nowhere to have a top 10 season after the Ray Rice situation. So I think free agency is much more likely than the draft. Uh, You know, they might add the obligatory late round special team guy, a special teams guy that, uh, you know, really just contributes their year one and maybe develops into something down the road. Uh, but Kamari Aiken's still there, and I know that they like him as well. So I think uh, I think you're right. I think it's free agency that Baltimore looks to replace Steve Smith. Paxton Lynch is not going to start this uh, weekend's game, but he will receive playing time at some point in the game, maybe at halftime. This according to Denver's 9news.com's Mike Kliss. Lynch was, if you remember, the first-round pick for the Denver Broncos this year as the Potential franchise quarterback as this team turns the page on uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, they'll start Trevor Simeon this week, uh, but we don't know. I mean, maybe Paxton Lynch comes in after a couple of series. Maybe he comes in in the second quarter. Maybe it's not till the second half. We don't know. Uh, but as we look forward to 2017, we do know that they want Paxton Lynch to be the guy. How, how concerned are you with, uh, with Lynch essentially being a, a first-year-on-the-field quarterback next year 
for the prospects of Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, who both exhibited uh, that they could hold value with Trevor Simeon throwing to them. Does that change at all with Paxton Lynch next year, Ron? Boy, oh boy, that's a you know that's that's a big question and a big unknown because we didn't get to see enough of Paxton Lynch and um, I think he played at Memphis maybe I forget where he played but he was he was proficient yes, in sir. college but yeah but I just you know I, I'm just not sure uh, what they have in him they have two great receivers in Thomas and Sanders who were completely I just think underutilized this year and, and it's unfortunate um, because that team you know with that defense they should have been better than they were um and and i i'm i'm going to be curious to see what kind of off-season mini camp you know what kind of hype does paxton lynch get what are the what are the guys covering the broncos say about him because we just didn't get enough tape and i I at least have to see something from the guy to know if he's got that arm does he have the football smarts you know does he avoid the turnovers it's just it's a real unknown for me on paxton lynch but i know they could use him they could use a guy who can put the ball downfield because they like to run and they like to play defense. And if you've got those two receivers out there, can really open up the ground game. And like you said, if you've got a good defensive team or you have a good offensive mind, let the defense keep the other team to 10, 15, 17 points, and I'll go out and win the game if I'm a good offensive coach. And, um, you know, they have a good offensive coach over there. They should be able to be doing better than they are. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's uh, C.J. Anderson's year and uh, Paxton Lynch just gets uh-huh. worked in to, to have sort of a, a workmanlike effort where he keeps Thomas and Sanders valuable. I mean, maybe those guys each get, you know, 75, 80 catches, 1,000, 1,100 yards, seven, eight touchdowns each. You wouldn't be disappointed with those numbers, uh, but maybe it's Anderson that really carries that team back to the playoffs next year. Time will tell on that. Alshon Jeffrey. Missed yesterday's practice, this according to Jeff Dickerson on Twitter. Uh, Jeffrey is a guy, this is just illness, by the way. This wasn't like a soft tissue injury uh, or anything that uh, that would be damaging to his free free agency status. But Jeffrey will have one last opportunity to uh, put something out there for NFL GMs and coaches to look at as he heads into free agency. He certainly has not had the season that he wanted. He underperformed when he was healthy, got hurt. Then he had the four-game PED suspension. 26 years old, and who knows who is going to take a chance on Alshon Jeffrey. But when you look at Jeffrey for fantasy drafts, uh, Ron, the injuries, the suspension, the underperformance, is this giving you a little bit more qualms than you've had about drafting Jeffrey in the past? Or have you usually stayed away from drafting Alshon Jeffrey? Yeah, he's a big red flag for me, Um, just the injuries alone. Um, I think that I drafted a couple of Bear second and third receivers solely for the reason that um, I thought he'd be hurt at some point. Um, He's not a guy that I really am interested in. He's great with Jay Cutler, who loved to force him the ball. Um, You know, it's like like Jameis forcing the ball to Mike Evans. I mean, I, I look at them exactly the same, except that Mike Evans is a little tougher, although Mike Evans had his problem with drops for two, 2015 for sure. Um, but I look at them the same. Like, you have to have a quarterback, first of all, that's willing to force you the ball. Well, Cutler did that for Alshon Jeffrey a year ago, and that's what made Jeffrey look so good. But Cutler's not going to be the quarterback in Chicago next year. And if he's not getting the ball forced to him and he just has to play his normal role – 
and we have to deal with the three or four games he's going to miss for the soft tissue injuries and any of the stupid stuff he may do, then, you know, he's not a guy that I'll take as high as he's going to have to be taken. Now, if he's, again, if he's sitting around because of his year at, at wide receiver three, okay, maybe take a chance. But, um, but you're right. I mean, he's, you know, he's a guy that's got a lot of question marks and, Without that quarterback combination, he's going to have to get used to somebody, and somebody's going to have to get used to him. And I'm not sure that I want to be the guy, you know, kind of watching that experiment unfold in 2017. Yeah, it's going to be a guy to watch in the offseason. We'll have to see what – I mean, maybe he just makes it easy and he goes to a run-dominant team, and, and, and we can sort of, you know, let him right. drop in drafts and, and, and take him at a point where it really won't affect our team because we'll have a good core in place. But Jeffrey is going to be a name to watch as we head into the uh, new calendar year for the NFL in uh, March. We have to take our final break here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Eric Balkman, Ron Gachet, the uh, big payback number one $30,000 winner here in the FFPC. Um, when we come back, we're going to answer your emails. First uh, up, uh, we're going to talk about our top five picks, our early top five picks as we move on to drafts next year. You're listening to the HSFF Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Eric Balkman and 2016 FFPC big payback number one champ who won $30,000 this past year. Ron Gachet co-hosting sitting in for the Dizzle. Dave Gerzak tonight. It is time to answer all of your emails. If you've got a question for Eric, Dave, or tonight's guest, send them a tweet at HSFF Hour on Twitter. Email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Tag your tweet with HSFF or just smack Eric in the head. That's high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com or at HSFF hour on Twitter. Kick things off with Dale in West Lebanon, New Hampshire. Look into your crystal balls and tell me who the top five picks will be in FFPC main event drafts in September, guys. Thank you for the email. Dale in West Lebanon, New Hampshire. Apparently, West Lebanon. Uh, is the, or Lebanon is divided up into uh, directions, those big cities in New Hampshire. So let's talk about those uh, top five picks as we look forward to 2017. I think uh, for me, Ron, and I'll just get my guys out there uh, that, that I think okay. as of right now, and obviously I'll reserve the right to change this as the uh, season goes on. Uh, but I believe that Gronk is still going to be in the conversation. I'm not saying that I would take him if I was drafting in an FFPC type uh, format, but I think that he would be in the top five. Uh, because of the tight end premium scoring, I think that he is always going to be drafted in that first half of the first round, despite the injuries this year, unless we just get some absolutely devastating news about his back, which I don't think we've gotten yet, but he's somewhere in there. Antonio Brown, for me, is still somewhere in there. But unlike last year when we saw Julio Jones and Odell Beckham up there, uh, who haven't done really anything to hurt their stock, I just think it's been insane the years that we've seen from David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and Ezekiel Elliott, and I think all three of those guys warrant consideration in the top five. So in no particular order, I would say those three running backs, Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, are all going to be in the top five as of right now for drafts next year. At least that's who I pick. Uh, who are your top five, Ron? Well, I think Gronk is it for me and from what I've been seeing in the drafts that that I was participating in even this year. I think he's a second half of the first round guy. I don't. I, I, I think people are going to be a little cautious with him building their whole team around, and I feel like he's going to be more of a 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 guy 
for me, it's it's definitely Bell. It's definitely Johnson. It's definitely Elliott. Um, and then I do like a couple of receivers. I still think you can make a good team if you don't get one of those top running backs with an Antonio Brown. Um, and I'm and I'm a big AJ Green guy. I know he ripped up that hamstring, but they love to get him the ball, and I think that he can be a guy in a PPR league that can produce. Um, and I'm also going to be really interested in LaShawn McCoy, depending on who ends up coaching that team. Um, that's a run-heavy team, at least it was with Rex. And, again, I like teams that, you know, if you want to run the ball, that's, how, that's the reason I picked LaShawn McCoy. I knew Buffalo had to run this year. And I took a shot that McCoy wasn't going to be, you know, too old or he wasn't going to be too fragile, and he worked out for me. Um, another guy that I – definitely think is going to go much higher and and should is DeMarco Murray. I got him in the main event league in like the fourth round this year. And so I started with in that league with um with with uh um Curley and Bell skipped around and then got DeMarco Murray. I mean, who could do better than that in terms of I know Gurley wasn't wasn't the pick he turned out to be, but to grab Gurley who could have been a monster. Um so I think the running backs. I think the running backs are going to go first now because of what we saw. But I still think you can make. I think you can still make a winning team with some with some quality wide receivers. Yeah, and look no further than uh, Lashawn McCoy. How many championship teams he was on uh, last year too? I think that uh, um, you know the fact that he won so many or helped win so many people leagues. He is going to move up. Uh, to w- from where he was picked in the second and third rounds this year, and then Gronk too. I mean, I think you're right. He could be a back end of the first round type guy, if we don't see much from him in the preseason, if we're, if we're not seeing him out on the field, uh, especially when it hits those, that second and third preseason games, you have to drop him. Um, If he's out there and he's healthy and he looks like Gronk, then yeah, I think people are going to be taking him early, but uh, he's not getting any younger as none of us are. Uh, But he's a guy that uh, we'll be watching in the preseason as well, coming off his uh, back problems that he had this year. Uh, Next email is from Danny in Tomball, Texas. Hi, Balky and Dave. Well, it's actually not Dave. It's Ron tonight. Technically, the 2016 fantasy season is over. So when do you guys start prepping for 2017? Thanks, guys. Thank you for the email. Danny in Tomball, Texas. I'll tell you my preparation really never. uh, I mean, I'm I'm already doing it for next year by by doing this show. You know, it's just it's a great it's a cool thing to be able to, to talk to high stakes players week in and week out, pick their brains. Uh, find out what they're thinking for next year. I don't think my mind ever shifts off from from fantasy preparation. I, I think you could make the case that I was preparing for 2017 during the 2016 season uh, because there's only so much you can do in season-long fantasy football uh, during the year. So I think for me, it's it's just a never-ending thing. You know, I'm always listening to <laughs> podcasts, reading articles, talking to other players uh, year-round. And and as it gets closer, obviously those conversations get more and more serious as we have more and more information out there. But for me, I don't think I ever take time off from it. I'm, I'm constantly thinking about it. Ron, as far as preparing for your high-stakes drafts, when does that process really begin for you? Well, I do take some time off. Um, I, I've, you know, I've, I've, got a, I've got a full-time job, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm a family man. And so I, I do try to give my family a break because I do get consumed during the season with the, with the fantasy uh, research and and you know just listen just just deciding on who to pick up on a on a Wednesday night can make you nuts and and just the waiver wire and all that kind of stuff so I do like to take a break and I will take a break um, I'm going to participate in your playoff challenge um, which is right. really a fantastic event 
And, uh, and then after the playoff challenge is over, um, you know, I'll watch the NFL draft, but I really get, I really get back to work when the mini camps all start for the teams, because I don't feel like you're getting any real good information until the players are reporting and being seen by some reporters who can give us information on how they look in those camps. So, you know, I'll start, I'll start reading up in the summer. I'll wait for the camps in June or July and, um, and then I'll hit it hard, you know, between all of July and all of August until I get to the drafts in early September. So I, I'm a guy that does like to take a little bit of a break, and uh, I don't think it's hurt me. I think that, you know, if it's your life and if it's, if it's something that you're passionate about, nothing wrong with continuing to study and research and, 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 and you know, enhance your knowledge. Um, but for me, um, I, definitely, I definitely want to take a little bit of a break since I was really consumed with it between – the main event, the big payback, and, and, my, and my league with my buddies, um, that had me quite busy this year. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun, too. So taking time off to, to you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So clearly uh, when you take that time off, you come back reinvigorated, ready to take on 2017. I think that is a solid approach as well. Jim in Bradford, Arkansas, Dear Jin and Cassian, I think those are – Star Wars names. I'm trying to get my dynasty team lined up for success next year. What team do you think offers the easiest path to running back success, i.e. Ezekiel Elliott this past season? Thanks for the email, Jim. I don't know if, if we know enough right now, but a couple of, and I'll just name a, a few of the running back situations that I'll be watching both for dynasty and redraft purposes, Ron, is the Jets and the Browns. I mean, those, those two clearly, I think that there's, uh, there's paths to, to rookies have being successful there. I think if you look at uh, what Washington and the Giants do, um, those are two you know, more established offenses that I think uh, could really benefit from the addition of a, of a rookie running back. And then Minnesota is probably going to have a hole in, in their backfield with Adrian Peterson moving on. And we kind of talked about Tampa earlier. Uh, we don't know exactly what they're going to do, but it looks like uh, they'll be looking for somebody uh, to at least at a minimum supplement uh, Charles Sims on that team. What are your thoughts on uh, running back situations that you think could be really juicy for a rookie? Well, he, he, he performed well this year um, for the Colts, and that was Frank Gore, but he's, he's old. And I, I think an opportunity to play with an Andrew Luck, when you have a quarterback that can be as proficient as Luck, I think running backs in a system like that can really, can really succeed. And I, I don't know what Gore's status is going to be for next year, but I'm interested to see if they do anything uh, in Indianapolis with the running back position. Um, and then, like you said, um, some of the obvious, some of the obvious ones, the giants, um, you know, if Eli can, can, can be consistent, that's a place where a running back should be able to, um, really succeed. Um, but those are two spots that I'm, I'm definitely looking at. Um, uh, anywhere there's an older guy, anywhere there's a guy that's just kind of, you know, probably, coming to the end of his career. That's where you, that's where you want to look. But they've got to have a quality quarterback. It can't be a team that's all about the run. You can't be a rookie, in my opinion, and come into an all-running offense. And that's right, like, like Devontae Booker is a classic example. Everybody was all high on Devontae Booker, and he was supposed to be the guy this year. And when C.J. Anderson went down, think about other people that much they spent on their fab money if they didn't already have him on their team. And you know, he just didn't make it. He, it's tough for rookies like that. Now, Zeke's a, a special talent, and he's got an incredible offensive line. So, you know, that was a little different. But I want a, I want a place where a quarterback is a real stud and, and they could use a little help. And, and Green Bay would be another place that comes to mind. I know Ty Montgomery's 
filling in nicely. But if Eddie Lacy is is not going to be the guy there, then a, a running back there with Aaron Rodgers could really make some hay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another great situation to bring up too, uh, given that Green Bay seemingly has always been looking for some running back help uh, there for for many many years. Uh, let's uh, squeeze in one last email here. This is uh, from Brandon in Golden Valley, Minnesota. He writes, hello, Ron and Balky. Can I get an early Super Bowl prediction so I know which two guys I have to take in the playoff challenge? Uh, I, I wanted to be different. I looked at this, and obviously we don't know all the playoff teams yet this season, but if I had to make an early Super Bowl prediction, I will go chalk and say New England and Dallas, and I think the guys that you want to own from those teams in the playoff challenge, the fact that you get double points for the Super Bowl, I'm looking at Brady and Ezekiel Elliott. I know it's boring. I might change my mind, but Mm -hmm. right now I think that if I'm building a playoff challenge roster, uh, those are the two guys that I would be building it around. Ron, your thoughts on uh, what you'll be doing with your playoff challenge team. Okay, so when I was in Vegas for your draft, uh, I happened to wander over to the sports book and plop down some nice chunk of change on the Pittsburgh Steelers to win the Super Bowl this year. So I'm going to stay with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to ride them all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, and so I like the Steelers, and I like Lev Bell um, in that situation. And on the other side, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think they're hot right now. I think they're going to beat Detroit. And I think they're a team that no one's going to want to see. And I know they'll end up, if they end up playing Dallas in Dallas, um, Dak Prescott's going to have to really perform under the spotlight. And I'm not sure. Look, he looks good, right? And, but Zeke Elliott and that running game is making him look better than he might really be just right now. doesn't mean he's not going to be a great quarterback. But uh, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh and Green Bay just to, just to give your listeners um, something to think about and uh, to go a little – anti-chalk well there you go i certainly appreciate that a rematch of super bowl 45 that would be fantastic to uh to see green bay back in there a matchup of of two really good offenses as you said too i think that would be an entertaining game to see this has been an entertaining show for the fact that you've been on ron it, i certainly appreciate you taking the time to uh hang out with me for uh the better part of uh, an hour and a half and talk fantasy talk about how you built that $30,000 juggernaut and the big payback is this was uh, very enlightening. I certainly enjoy hearing your thoughts. I wish you nothing but the best of luck in the playoff challenge and on that Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl bet. That'll be awesome if that hits as well. Uh, thanks you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and good luck in uh, your leagues next year too, man. Yeah, Eric, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Ron Gachet, the $30,000 winner in the FFPC big payback. Number one, league. Uh, Very awesome to have him on. And that will do it for our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Ron Gachet. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course you for hanging out and listening once again. Dave will be back next week as well. The 2016 main event champs, David Hubbard, Nelson Sousa, and Doc Henson all will be on the show next week. Uh, So we'll have five people. That is going to be a lot of fun. Don't miss that show at 10, 9 central next Friday. Get those playoff entries in. It's selling out faster than last year. Don't miss out. Enjoy week 17. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I gotta go, cause I got me a drop top, and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass happen.
more shameless promotion. I know I said it at the top of the show uh, or in the middle of the show. This will be the season finale coming up this coming week of the High Stakes Lowdown. Joe Pike will be our guest. Check that out Thursday morning, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Enjoy week 17. Happy New Year, everybody.